Ding dong. Yes? Is this the location of the Passione? Who told you what? Why are you here? Uh, I'm here to deliver the, uh, the outfits that you ordered. Uh, I got the one black outfit with a heart-shaped cut in the middle and some, uh, some wings on the, on the collar. You work fast. Yes, well, yeah, I'm the best. I'm the best in, in, in all, all of Napoli. So I got this one for you. I got this one. Uh, it uh, well, it looks like a yours. It's got the purple and the, and the lines. We ordered these like yesterday. I didn't think you'd get these done within uh, 24 hours. That's good. Oh, I you know, guess. I, I'm very well connected with the Passione. In fact, uh, I know you only ordered these two, but I went ahead and did the ones for the rest of your team. So I, I got uh, this one with the little teardrops and all the zippers, except it's red and the gold. Oh, we won't be needing those. Oh, you don't need this one? Okay, I got the, this one. It's a golf dress, uh, but it's uh, a dark green and uh, some uh, nice yellow and orange highlights. Sex pistol nice work in the front. Sex pistol. Oh, you you don't need that one either. Oh, okay. Well, I got the I got the, this this uh, blue one with the skirt. No, you don't need the skirt. Get out of my sight! I have a gun. Please. What about this yellow one with the Swiss cheese holes? Get out of my sight, please. I uh, try to do some favors. These people have no dignity. <laughs> And welcome back to No Dignity, the podcast about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris Ng. And I'm Alex Vargas. Oh man, today is the day after JoJo Sunday. Oh the famous July twenty eighth, the end of Vento Oreo. I oh boy. I, I can I just describe it, it it was like leading up to like the rebirth of Jesus. Like there was a whole process I was going through. <laughs> I, okay, well, this isn't on the script, but go ahead, tell, tell me the whole thing. Tell me your right, experience. I, I was away from home uh, at that time. Uh, I, I am sure I annoyed my roommate when I woke up. I, I wake up, immediately first thing comes to my mind, JoJo, part five, ending, now, oh my god. I, I jump out of bed, um, I pull out my phone immediately, I go to Crunchyroll, and realize I don't have a subscription, uh, use, a, <laughs> use a back alley. <laughs> kind of way uh, i'm so sorry um and i i see the intro i see that third version of the intro and i am like screaming in the hallway i'm sure i woke up a couple of the people in the dorm but i couldn't care at that moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah because oh gosh that bad dio pose oh I, man i that made me giggle like a schoolgirl. Uh, my experience was a little different because I knew I couldn't um, watch it until night. I was really busy, but I can't stay away from my memes. And I just, uh, I'm just i just one of those people that will just click on every spoiler <laughs> that there is. <laughs> uh, so I, I had already seen like the picture of, of Giorno doing the Dio pose and uh, Bucciarati's anime version of, of Rolling Stone and all that stuff. So um, I, think, I, actually, I actually think... think Oh, go ahead. I think you mean prophecy stones. Oh yeah, I, I think um, I think for me that's actually a better way of consuming it because otherwise I'd get so distracted looking for 
minor details that I might not enjoy the experience. <laughs> God. I'm a little peculiar. But anyway, uh, so we've decided that since it is the day after the end of part five animation, uh, we're just going to do a, a dive into David Productions anime adaptation and talk about the adaptation, some of the things that were different from the manga, some of the stuff we loved, um, and just basically a heap on a whole lot of love because, man, those guys over at DP, they did a, they, a, an amazing job. They do God's work. Yeah. Uh, so let's just start from the very beginning and talk about the beginnings the the two ops for this season there's fighting gold and of course traders requiem mm-hmm. uh, uh you had a you had a thing about fighting gold you wanted to talk about yeah yeah uh when i first heard i okay so a uh, little backstory here i got into jojo around early um early to mid uh 2018 so i had never really experienced the hype of a, a jojo friday mm-hmm. um so when Vento Oreo anime was announced, uh, spring in the spring of that year, and it was going to be coming out in October, I, <laughs> I, I was like super hyped. And when the, um, OP leaked, I guess not leaked when it was uh, shown for the first time, uh, I, I felt a weird, like initial, like disappointment in it. Cause I thought it sounded just like any other anime opening, but of course, upon my third time listening to it, I started getting hyped to it. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, that I, I always find that story funny because I actually loved it the very first time I heard it. Um, some some interesting fun facts to that. Uh, it's, of course, performed by Coda, but you, did you know it's written by the uh, the same people that wrote the uh, Evangelion theme song? Really? Yeah. It is the, the first time since they wrote that song that the, the composer and the lyricist have worked together. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. Yeah, so there's a there's a very old uh, YouTube video kind of floating around there where it has the Evangelion theme song, but they've put Coda's vocals of Bloody Stream on top of it, and, and the uh, the top comment is like, "You totally predicted this was going to happen because that's exactly <laughs> what it was." <laughs> that's crazy to think about because this one doesn't make me sad. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, it it's kind of interesting to me because, man. Um, the Evangelion intro theme is like iconic. Yeah, extremely iconic for the nineties. It's like this is what nineties anime is, and once you hear it, it kind of brings you back. And I feel like, you know, the work for Fighting Goal is is equally great. And um, you know, the symbolism put in both the lyrics and the animation uh is pretty amazing. Um obviously like there's a theme to being like chained to your past. Um Yeah. Which or you know, a slave to destiny. Right. Um, and I know probably people probably caught this earlier, but it, I recently understood the whole, the chains for, uh, Trish being like the DNA strand. I was like, Oh, okay. I get that one now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're all actually really good except for, I never really understood Narancha's that well, but his little segment. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could sort of think of was like, he was always trying to form bonds with people and they kept breaking even though he didn't want them to. I saw it more as like everything with him goes like fast, right? Mm-hmm. All his battles are kind of quick or like they're fast paced and they're very um, attack heavy. Like n- not as much strategy as some of the other battles that go on. That's that's also that's very true. And I think someday or maybe maybe soon I really want to do a deep dive into like the themes and the character arcs for, for people of part five. 
And I think Naranja definitely has like that impatience aspect to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, focusing on the LPs, uh, what was the thing you were, you were saying about the beginning about something about brightness? I don't remember. Oh yes. Yes. So, um, Jojo anime, the official Twitter had, uh, posted an image of the first frame of fighting gold. Um, and the caption was, um, go back to, go back to the first OP and see what you can find. And so someone had taken that image and they had, I think, put either the contrast or the brightness all the way up. Point is, the image was oversaturated with the light. And you were actually able to spot uh, Bucciarati's rolling stone behind the uh, Michelangelo statue. Yeah. Um, and not, you sent I'm that not. to me and I was like, I could not, I could not believe it. That they had thought that far ahead from episode one. <laughs> Knowing that they were going to animate that at the end to just drop that in the middle. I I was thinking to myself, like, had nobody seen this before? Because that, that's crazy that the idea that that would have just stayed there unless they had said something. Yeah, it is. It's it's such a good hidden thing, because I think uh, Rolling Stone is at the bottom of the Modern Crusaders outro, right? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like most people would have said, oh, well, that's where it is and, and kind of left it at that. But... <laughs> Um, you know, I think just the, the level of detail and obvious love that DP has for the the source material is just very, very apparent. Yes, yes. And I, I really do appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about uh, Trader's Requiem. I mean, when the when the OP came out and this was so I caught up on the anime like midway, maybe episode 11 or 12 of uh, part five. Um, and so I was around and kind of paying attention right as the Trader's Requiem OP came out. And man, people hated on that pretty hard when it showed up. I'll, I'll say something. I wasn't a big fan the first time listening to it either. But I think why, that just why do you, why do you think that the, is? I think it's, I think it's because a certain type of elitism has like spawned within <laughs> me because of Jojo. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not lying here. I, I think, like, a certain type of elitism has spawned into me. So, like, <laughs> when I heard Trader's Reckon for the first time, I was like, no, this sounds just like any other anime opening. I can't have this. Maybe I just don't watch enough anime anymore. It just, none of these sound like any generic anime opening, except maybe Chase. That's the only one to me that feels, like, kind of samey. Chase does seem kind of samey when compared to the other ones. But I'll tell you something. Literally the second time hearing Trader's Requiem, I thought it was a bop. Like I like I, I like put on my personal playlist after that and it was like I think it's like my it's probably like my second favorite OP, quite honestly. It is really, really good. I've been listening to it a lot lately too. Uh, I actually was breaking down the um the musical chords the other day. <laughs> like trying to figure figure out how, how they made that song. Just because it's very harmonically interesting a lot of them are very harmonically interesting but this is not a music podcast so i'm not gonna go into that um <laughs> i know one of one of the big complaints was uh that you know a lot of the scenes are sort of reused frames from the anime like you know the uh trish's hand scene and that yeah um i, I think that also didn't gel well with people yeah but i think i mean there are i think that's the only direct pull right because even like the scene of Everybody leaving Fugo behind on the boat. That didn't actually happen that way. No, it, it didn't. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it was that kind of idea where it's like we got such great OPs for the first four parts, you know? 
mm-hmm. and uh, Part Five's you know first OP. Uh, maybe not my favorite visually, but it definitely isn't bad. It's I I I'd say it's great. Um, but like the idea that like for the first time ever we're getting like reused animation for an OP, I think that kind of sets some people off. Like, like come on. And I don't understand that necessarily because I'm going to say something probably controversial. I think Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town is actually worse animation. Really now. I mean, think about it. It's like mostly just the characters dancing and then they drag them across the screen. Like, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that with Sony Vegas right now. If I had like an animated GIF of a character dancing, I could recreate that thing. That's it's just kind of lazy. And like, you know, there's just a lot of multicolor flashing and it's, I, I, it's not great at animation wise. The song is amazing, but like animation is like, mm I, I really do think it is like the whole um like unique animation thing that does help it for people. Right? Maybe. Like as long as it's not reused, I like it's considered better. I think my point though is that none of it or very little of it is actually reused. Other than the Trish moment, I don't think any other scene is exactly frame for frame what it is. It's just in the same exact style, and so I think people just leapt ahead and went Oh, they copy-pasted Eluso uh, over there. And I don't think that's what happened at all. I think they just redrew him. But because yeah. the style was the same, you know. <laughs> you said skipped ahead. Oh, did I really say that? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> King of Crimson. But people people really changed their mind about Traders Requiem as soon as we got the King of Crimson version. Yes. I, uh, look, I, I, I did fan out at the King Crimson version. Because, you know, it showed the skip time. But I thought what it was really going to show in, like, the second version of the OP was just what happens when Giorno got the arrow. I didn't actually think we were going to get, you know, Diavolo and his, like, erased space walking behind Giorno, ready to attack. Yeah. And he's speaking Italian, which is my favorite detail ever. Yes. When it had the Japanese subtitles there, I was like, wait, no, this isn't Japanese. Like, what is this? What is he saying? Yeah, and it's so good because it's like... You get a hint of what their vision of what what Diablo would actually sound like is, you know? It's like, wow, <laughs> yeah. that's like really authentic right now, and it's it's kind of scary in sort of like a gothic cathedral sort of way, you know? Yeah, different than the way like Japanese can sound intimidating. Like Italian is such a like a, a vowel heavy musically musicalish language that it just sounds more. Um, I don't know. It it sounds like a vampire speaking. Yeah, there you go. That's that's kind of a good way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> so it was great to see that skip time, and I honestly thought that was going to be it. I you know there were people kind of floating around saying, "Oh, they're going to going to be a third version," uh, and I was like, "They're not going to do a third version." Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. I, I'm so glad I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, to, so to watch Gold Experience Requiem come out, the Dio pose. I mean, the Dio pose is, I would have never thought of that. The Dio ever. pose is what did it for me. I'm so sorry. Like, you can hear it in my voice. I get excited when I talk about it. <laughs> it's just like to think that, like, they would go, oh, I know what he would do. Pose like this. And it's just like, what? It's like so iconic and, and like, ugh. And to see Giorno's hair like completely undone, you know, without the yeah. weird donuts and the and the hook braid. Well, I think he still had the donuts, but I didn't think he had the the braid. Well, I mean, in his scenes in the anime, the braid was gone, but the donuts were still there. I think yeah. in that scene, though, 
I think the donuts are gone. Because I think his hair is just exactly like Dio's. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I gotta take another look at that. You know what I also like is the same picture that Giorno has of Dio in his wallet. Oh, that's a good point. Right? So, I mean, it's never really discussed whether he knows what his dad did, right? It seems not. Like, well, (laughs) it is sort of funny because you mentioned this before, I think, on the show that uh, in the manga, the the picture's signed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the manga, the picture's signed. So uh, Dio hands out glossies of whoever he had sex with. Right. Um, so it's kind of interesting in the anime, that part's not present. So it's, it's there's a lot of questions that come up like, is this one of Joseph's spirit photos? Like, why would Dio have pictures of himself like this? Um, <laughs> but his version, you know, it isn't signed, so maybe there's sort of the implication that Jono doesn't even know his name. All he knows of him is this pose and maybe like the birthmark. Yeah. So it's like, maybe he's just like, this is a way to connect to him. I don't know. It's just, it was such a good decision and really demonstrates to me. I think that the people at David productions aren't just doing it because it's a job. They do it because they love it as much as we do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) I, I I saw that and I think that's the point in which I couldn't like hold in my excitement anymore and I like made audible noise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you know the, the the thing though is that it is an anime adaptation and adaptations do have to change the source material a little bit. Um, I think a criticism I've heard of anime adaptations to mangas is that they're not very visually interesting because it doesn't take advantage of the animation's ability to use movement um, Mm -hmm. that you're just recreating slightly movable manga panels. Um, But to me, I think ironically, that's exactly what you want in Jojo because the art is so definitive and and the panels are so iconic. You really don't want them to mess with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That last episode when I saw like, the the final part of it was really accurate to the manga, like when Diablo. Yeah. Oh, you mean the the Mista and and Giorno in the the thing? No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when Diablo dies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like almost frame for frame. Yeah, when Diablo dies, like the second or third time with that little girl, mm-hmm. like and he's like backing away. It is almost like manga perfect. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they obviously took some liberties as they have in the past to either make things clearer or. Or just like you know, put their own spin on it. So we're gonna go through a couple of these. Um, first, you you wanted to talk about uh, how we got more La Squadra. Yes, we definitely got more La Squadra in the anime than we did in the manga, and I think that was made there to sympathize them and really kind of make them like they're just kind of like Bucciarati's team. So I I didn't read that half of the manga. I only started reading the manga when I ran out of anime episodes. Um, so I uh, I read the manga from end to end for part five because i ran out of part four and uh uh-huh. <laughs> the part five anime hadn't been announced yet and i was like fine you know what i'm gonna get more jojo like i love this series so far um i wonder how it is actually reading the manga and i read it that summer and <laughs> i <laughs> i couldn't get enough of it so then what what was included in the anime that wasn't in the manga because i don't know um, well, definitely some of those, a lot of those La Squadra moments, like where it's just them, uh, okay. before like their battles, mm-hmm. that's definitely 
like um a mo- an anime um exclusive thing. You don't really get too much La Squadra. Um I see. So seeing them talk about like uh like is that whole thing where Formaggio kills that person with a tiny card? Is that even a, a scene? Uh no. Okay. So that yeah, so it's interesting. You do get to see kind of how they operate and you know how risotto is essentially you know, like you said, evil Bucciarati. He's like got to keep all these knuckleheads under control and deal with all these personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, that was a very strong addition. Yes, yes. Uh, I think very much so because it really did help you sympathize with them and kind of see like, oh, they're kind of like the people we've been following, you know, uh, ragtag team of stand users. Yeah, who care about each other a lot. Yes, yes. Um, Very which I think was hard to see at first. Um, you know, Aluso and Formaggio, like they seem sort of generic, like, ha ha ha, I'm the bad guy. Mm. Um, but once you get to like Prosciutto and Pesci, like all bets are off, you know, it's like, oh, wow, these are the people on their own team who have established their own relationships. <laughs> yeah, they have the, they have their own like mentorships and like brotherhoods kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is, like, really painful to watch because essentially, and ironically, they, they want the same thing Bucciarati does, just for different reasons. Yeah. Um, But I think that was a, a great addition by by the team to, to flesh out squad, La Squadra. Um, I think Part 5, and this is, like, a discussion for another time, but Part 5 plays a lot. Or it, Part 5 had the opportunity to play a lot with the moral gray and it doesn't really do it too much, but I think La Squadra is is an instance where you do feel very confused on who you're supposed to root for. Yeah. Like the whole risotto dopio fight. Like who who do I want to win? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, like, hey, even in the uh, manga, I was kind of rooting for risotto. Uh just because as soon yeah. as you know, the the twist where you see like Dopio has epitaph from King Crimson. Mm-hmm. That told me like, oh, this guy's the boss. Yeah, and I don't know. I wanted to see what would happen if like someone else took down the boss, and then they were still like on his tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, next thing that I think the anime obviously took uh, liberties with was the torture dance. Yes, yes. They took those four frames and they made it like a minute long. So such a good decision again, like by by the team, um, and kind of an interesting from if you were just watching it straight through and you never knew anything about part five because uh, you know you got this long dance um, and obviously you have the the panel mo- motions like you know where they cross their legs and you know they're doing like the weird pumpy motion yeah uh, but there's a lot of like classic dance moves. Um, from some of the artists that are referenced, like there's obviously the moonwalk, um, yeah, and and things like that. So I think that was kind of an interesting way to kind of mix Araki's weird poses with the the dances from the music that he takes so much inspiration from. Mm-hmm. But then you get those like um, weird animated moments in between where you see uh, Zukeo's uh, face, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I saw an analysis that talked about how each one shows uh the stand of each person doing the dance uh as like foreshadowing yeah so you, you told Nar- me about that yeah so narancha is first and you get to see like bullet holes kind of going and he's got you know the the aerosmith color uh palette 
And the second one, you get Mises color palette and a lot of X's and a lot of kind of like crosshairs going on. And the third one is like that green and the purple smoke going on. And of course, you know, no one's seen their stands up to this point. So it's kind of an interesting like second watch hint like, hey, this is what they're going to be able to do. And this is what they're all about, even though you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, and then the music is well, you 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 said it was something. I don't yeah, remember. The, the music is very much inspired by Prince's P control. Um, right, 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 right. It sounds nearly exactly like it at some points, and I'm really glad that they did that, just because you know, um, you know, Gold Experience, Jorno Stand, is uh, a Prince reference. So like the fact that they put like a Prince like they basically remade like a Prince song. Right. Well, it, it, yeah, and in, in the in the music industry, it's called a sound alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you you write a song that is almost another song, it's called a sound alike. <laughs> well, they did a sound alike of this Prince song that I think yeah. fit really well. Yeah, I think it's just a, another level of expertise that the the team has, knowing what inspirations come from where, and and you know the um how to add things without drifting too far from, you know, Araki's initial intent. Yeah. Um, also, the opening scene of the anime where Jorno gets ice cream and such. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not in the manga. Oh, really? The manga opens on Koichi in the airport. Oh. You see Jorno for the first time at the airport. Uh, you don't really see what he does beforehand, if I'm right. It's been a little while since I read it, but mm. I don't remember reading any of that. I do love um, that intro sequence. It's just so beautiful, you know, seeing these very, very accurate depictions of Naples and Venice, um, you know, and that was, of course, Araki's doing in the first place because the manga panels are, are very accurate to things that he saw and obviously researched. Yes. Um, but, you know, if you're going in, in a row, if you were like binging all of Jojo, I think it's an interesting palette cleanser because you're coming from Morio Yellow Sky and like, colors being slightly gradated off from you know true brightness and it's like okay because this is this was my experience right i finished part four i'm like okay on to part five and it's like bright blue water sky like you know like purify your eyes because we're doing it different this time (laughs) um i initially when i saw the anime i wish they'd taken more uh liberties with the color like i i thought that maybe it could use like a little more color put into it but the more I started watching it, the the more I realized, like, I really do like this, like, almost natural kind of, like, lighting that they're doing here. This, like, natural yeah, coloring. Yeah, part five is very bright. You know, yes. it's, it's very, it's got a lot of light work going on in it, I think. I actually really like that. I really like that a lot of it is outside and, like, you see the sunlight and everything. I don't know. It makes me feel nostalgic for something. I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, totally. It, it does sort of portray Italy in this very romantic, you know, historical light that is pretty common throughout, you know, different depictions of Italy in in art and literature and in movies is like, oh, it's such a beautiful place. And they really, you know, captured that well and, and did work with the light really well. Um, but, you know, funny you should mention color because... Uh, DP did make some changes to the colors and not everybody was happy with all of them all the time. Yeah. And from right, the biggest change is pink Giorno. Which surprised me because I, the only Giorno I had ever seen at first was, of course, pink Giorno. <laughs> yeah, I read the manga where Giorno was blue with, like, uh, the wings on his uh, 
collar being red and everything. So initially when I saw Pink Giorno, I was just kind of like, oh man, I thought they were going to go with like the more manga accurate colors. But I, I grew to like Pink Giorno. I like how he looks. I think Pink Giorno works really well, especially in such dense scenery to help him stand out. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, because everyone else is pretty bright, I guess, except the Bakio. But a Bakio has his hair, I think, to kind of help him stand out. Yeah, his hair is definitely something that your eyes are drawn to. Yeah, because what is with the starfish on the top? I don't... (laughs) (laughs) It's whatever Rohan has uh, in between his hair and his forehead. I thought that was a headband for Rohan. It could could be a headband. It could not. I don't know. It's whatever (laughs) Foo Fighters hair is. (laughs) Maybe. Oh, you know what it is? I know what it is. Abakio dyed his hair white, and that's his roots growing out. (laughs) Abakio has naturally purple hair. Yeah, that's what it is. What about when we he saw just, him as a police officer and his bra- his short hair was white too? Well, because he dyed it. I mean, he likes it like that. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, as a police officer, he was also wearing lipstick, so <laughs> that's true. That's really true. Obviously, like he was like pushing the edges of the dress code there. That's true. That's very true. Um, um, okay, and then um, Fugo is different. I actually like blonde green Fugo a lot better than pink white Fugo. Yeah, I think they changed him to blonde green just so they can have the pink uh, for Giorno and make sure there weren't like yeah, two it makes pink sense. characters. But even like seeing pictures of pink Fugo, he seems kind of washed out. Yeah, he is a little washed out. Um, I I gotta say, the green, like the sour cream and the onion Fugo, it really did grow on me. <laughs> and it matches his uh, strawberry motif well too. It makes those strawberries really pop. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, also, more liberties that they took with the uh, anime, Fugo's backstory. Hey everyone, just a quick time stop to let you know that we are about to discuss Fugo's backstory, and in particular, his experience with sexual abuse. If that's not something you want to hear us talk about, for whatever reason, go ahead and use your King Crimson to uh, skip ahead about two minutes, and then you'll miss the whole thing. And now, time begins to flow again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's let's pivot to Fugo because, uh Fugo. So <laughs> Fugo's backstory is different in the anime and in Purple Haze feedback. Am I correct in that? Um, I have not read enough Purple Haze feedback to know. I, I but, haven't either, but I just know that I've read that the anime, like Purple Haze feedback, changed his backstory to fit whatever their story was better, and then the anime kind of like split the difference somehow. Yeah. Because um, I know in the original manga, Fugo's uh, backstory didn't involve any kind of sexual assault. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the anime, they did indeed uh, make that a part of his backstory. I'm not completely sure whether that was part of Purple Haze feedback or not, but I guess I kind of understand why they do that from a character perspective. Yeah, I, don't I know. liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I, f- I feel like if you're going to go with someone who has a ton of rage, like that's a perfect way to do it. It's like this hidden rage, too. Yeah. It's like a rage that he doesn't want because it's not, like, generated from something he chose. It's like a guilt rage. He doesn't know how to deal with it, you know? And I feel like, you know, from from what I understand of, you know, sexual su- abuse survivors, that really fits. Really fits what's going on with him? I think so. I mean, everybody's going to process their own 
situation and abuse differently, but it makes a lot of logical sense to me. Um, sorry if trigger warning people. I'm sorry. Yeah, so sorry. We should should have put a, a warning somewhere before um, that. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll uh, I'll splice one in. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that the the way they added Fugo a whole lot more in the uh, manga in the anime um, was actually really nice. Because uh, in the manga, after they left Fugo on that little island, that was it. You never saw him again. Yeah. Uh, I think the part that particularly made me think to myself, like, oh, that's, oh, no, was uh, after um, Naranxia's death. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the bird was flying by, and Fugo saw it. And I was like, oh, Fugo's still around, and he's doing his own thing. Yeah, and he's not happy about it either. He's just like, I don't know what to do with myself. He sees the bird shadow, turns around, he's like, what was that? You know? Yeah. Do you think he knew? I, I'm i thinking that maybe he thought of Narancia when he looked at that bird. Uh-huh. But I don't think he uh, could have known what the heck happened to him. That's such a gorgeous added scene, too, because there is no bird flying away when Narancia yeah. dies in the manga. Yeah. But, um... You know, not only to add Fugo back in, which was great and heart wrenching, but to to watch it fly over where Abakio died and then into his same clouds. Yeah, I, th- I think really pulled on me too. I was just like, oh, he's like going with his buddy, you know? Yeah, that really made me think to myself like, oh yeah, these guys really like are friends, and this has been like the worst week of their lives. Yeah, it it really is, and. Uh, Especially since, like, Narancha was just broken at Abakio's death. Yeah. I don't know. Made me a little happy to see him, like, fly back into those clouds. You know, I don't know. At the very least, we know that, like, in the end, you know, he's happy. Yeah, he got to properly ascend like every Joe bro should. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Speaking of, I really like how the anime handled Abakio. Um I gotta say, when I read that part in the manga, it was the first time a manga made me like get like a little emotional. It was mm-hmm. nothing. It was nothing big, but I did get a little emotional. Um, but the anime literally, like, it nearly made me cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know how to put it. I think Abakio um, and his characterization was a whole lot clearer in the anime. Like we saw that, you know, he's not easy to please. But he definitely does have the goal in mind. And uh, he is willing to do what he has to. Um, And the fact that, like, he died trying to help, like, children in, like, such an innocent way, like, only added towards that. Yeah. I do kind of wish that they did cover up Doppio's hair before that. (laughs) Well, you didn't know. You know, he had no idea. Yeah, he wouldn't have had any idea, of course. But, like... I don't know, in the manga, if I'm right, you didn't really see, like, the distinctive braid at the end of Doppio's hair. It was mm-hmm. just, like, a, like short, like, patches of pink. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, in, in the JoJo manga, I was just like, okay, I can I can see that. Like, a kid with, like, some pink hair. I didn't even process it as being Doppio. Well, and heck, if you were reading it in black and white, you would no no clue. It would just, yeah. bam. Yeah, no, it would have been even more effective in black and white. <laughs> I think it it was still effective for me. I didn't catch it happening until afterward. Um, I mean, it didn't make any logical sense that Dopio would have any ability to do anything. I mean, he was down. 
Risotto almost killed him. Yeah. But, you know, a frog um, here and there. Yeah. And so I, I really wasn't expecting him to be able to get back up um, and do anything about it. So that still hit me pretty hard. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to put it. Like, Naranshia breaking down, I don't remember if that was part of the manga, but I'm just glad it's there anyway because it just made the scene even more, like, heart-wrenching. Yeah, it, it is because I remember reading um, Bucciarati's, like, lip bite is in the manga like and they they copied it exactly so yeah i don't know seeing like narancia break down like that it it made me sad i was yeah. i i didn't think i'd get through it uh, are we just gonna leave him here it's like oh yeah that so part bad. definitely got to me because that was like legitimately like the first death they had in the team and so it yeah, really sure. would it really would hit them all like super hard um, and I have I have a theory that it's it was Abakio's birthday, but we're, we'll go <laughs> deal with that another time. Um, Abakio had the worst birthday. I know, right? So la- last thing, I gotta I gotta talk about the voice actors uh, for mm-hmm. this part. I mean, none of it works. Nothing in anime works unless the voice acting's good. You know? Yeah. Now I don't know Japanese well enough to know whether they are good actors. In the way, like that, <laughs> English voice dub actors are good or not, <laughs> you know, yeah. like some dubs are pretty bad, and so I have no idea. Like if, <laughs> if you know, compared to famous Japanese actors or you know, quote unquote good Japanese actors, whether these are any good or not, but they worked for me very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Giorno's voice—he was exactly how I imagined he'd sound. Um, maybe it's just because I played Eyes of Heaven beforehand. Who knows? Because uh, mm. they do, they did try to get some of those voice actors back for the anime. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, if there's anything that did get to me, it's that I expected Diavolo's voice to be a little higher pitched rather than like the low, like evilness that is him. Right. But I mean, I think, and this was, you know, something I was very curious about was when everybody's bodies got switched. I was like, well, what are they going to do? Are they going to just have the voices be in different bodies? But no, they had the voice actors like perform as each other's characters. Yeah. And I think that's when you really got to see the range of those particular voice actors. Yes, because Trish inside Mista's body does not sound like Mista despite having the same voice. And that impressed me. Right. Like, it's so good and just like the delivery and the pacing it's like it just sounds like mista like it just it just is him i believe it you know <laughs> yeah and um you know diablo's voice being butcherati like having to be sort of like mid-register and commanding is like that worked really well um mm-hmm. i was surprised giorno's voice actor could sound like narancia so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know that got me um, um, so you know hats <laughs> off to them they must have had to work really hard and really listen to each other you know, and the directing of, of that must have been really challenging to figure out how do I sound like someone else being someone else. I, I, I heard or I've seen a um, interview with Hank Azaria, um, who's like, you know, voice actor for The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does like Apu and um, the Scottish guy, Groundskeeper Willie and like a whole bunch of people. Right. Yeah. And uh, he says that. He was always impressed by Mel Blanc, who did Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all that, because he could do two separate impressions of Bugs Bunny 
pretending to be Daffy Duck and Daffy Duck pretending to be Bugs Bunny. And almost no one can do that. He said, if I try to do Apu sounding like Groundskeeper Willie and then Groundskeeper Willie sounding like Apu, it would sound like the same voice. Yeah. So, you know, trying to do like character impressions as another character is, is apparently a mark of very difficult voice acting. So, you know, good job to the team on that one. That was very good for me. I loved that. <laughs> I... I definitely did enjoy it. You know, I don't understand Japanese, but it sounded right to me. Um, if there's also one thing I'd really like to comment on, it's that Narancha's voice really fit for me. Yes, <laughs> that definitely. Like, that, like, high-pitched, could-possibly-be-a-girl kind of voice. Yep, yep, definitely. <laughs> you thought Narancha was a girl at first, didn't you? Everybody does. It's not fair, okay? Everybody thinks it. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, I- I didn't. He's wearing a skirt. Yeah, but like he's got like the I don't I don't know, the straps or the hair or something. I don't I don't know. I mean, look, when you see him like in full body and you see his abs like clearly defined, you're like, "Oh no, that's a guy." But like in smaller panels or passing panels where he's just like being, you know, the goodest boy in Arancha with his bright eyes and like happy smile, you don't necessarily know. <laughs> Narancia, despite being the one malnourished character, has abs, unlike the rest of them. Uh, Mista's got some abs going on, I think. Mista's got, like, the perfect flat stomach. Giorno might have a little ab going on. Oh, uh, Giorno does, well, at least in the anime, when, when he, uh, he's got his shirt open after he fights Leaky Eye Luka. Yeah, I, if I'm right in the manga, he didn't have ab. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they buffed him up. Yeah, everybody always so muscular in this show. Um. <laughs> Actually, that's something I do comment on. They did, I think they did buff the characters a little up. Because Jordan definitely... Yeah, and when I was reading the manga, it did seem like they were a little... They seemed younger in the manga. I think that's how what it came across to me as. Yeah, because um, I'm... Even Bucciarati seemed a little younger. I mean, and Bucciarati and Abaki are like literally the only probably full-grown adults, but... Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to say right now, the way they made Giorno look in the anime, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, oh, can we have, like, a little less shadow on his face? Like, a little more, like... Right. <laughs> and in the manga, he seems so much more expressive. Um, he seemed a whole lot more expressive to me in the manga. And in the anime, I don't know, like, if it's just me and not being able to understand certain things or just because I haven't, like, paid attention enough. But he definitely seemed to be a whole lot more serious to me. Which I guess also happened to Jotaro. So maybe that's just something that translates uh, maybe not the best for characters like him. Well, and, you know, voice matters a lot in that sort of thing. Um, I've heard it many times that Jorno, while part five is good, Jorno's kind of a dull Jojo. I think he's a dull Jojo. I mean, and there's, there's a fair, there's something fair about that. Kind of like part three Jotaro, he doesn't do a whole lot. You know, he's kind of mysterious. And when Jorno is doing anything, he's just being hyper competent at everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say it right now. Jorno is my least favorite Jojo. You know, and I, I like him because I think it's, you know, the constant struggle between is he more Jonathan or is he more Dio? But, you know, that's a different subject altogether. Um, but I think the voice acting was 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 strong. I feel like the voice choices were were great, especially Trish. When Trish's introduction just sort of like cold and aloof. I'm like, ah, oh, wow, really don't like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, these good boys are just trying to help you. And you're just like, where's my mineral water? And it better be French. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Trish lost a little character in the uh, translation from manga to anime, quite honestly. Well, I think it, I don't know, because by the time you get to the end and, you know, she was a lot more expressive and a lot more confident after the battle with Diavolo. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that fit her character arc pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, maybe it's um, just maybe it's just me and how I view characters. Right. Maybe. Uh, so Rolling Stone, you know, the Sleeping Slaves. When I read this in the manga, I did not understand it at all. I was very confused. Um, and I appreciate <laughs> the anime cleared it up for me very well, very perfectly. So um, good job, anime team, for making that clearer. Yeah, I um, I didn't understand it initially either. Yeah, I think because I, I was thinking like, okay, so the stone causes them to die. And because, you know, me, they were supposed to change the stone and that would save him. But then they changed the stone and it didn't save him. In fact, it just made it worse. Yeah, that's what I thought initially. It was like, oh, if you don't change the stone, only Bucciarati is going to die. But since he changed the stone, I mean, like Bucciarati and the rest of his team were going to die. Right. I I was sort of lost on that and its purpose, but I think I got it better now and I don't know why I would have to reread the manga to see if, if the lines are in a different order or something. But um, to me, what it seemed like was like the stone just predicts death. It doesn't actually cause, cause them. It. Yeah. And then it just the stone gives you a way out. It's like, look, this is how you're going to die soon. If you don't want that, like just grab on. <laughs> just grab on you and uh, you can die without pain. Right. Um, and I, I think it made sense that the, the stones prediction changed because of Fugo. Fugo. Well, follow my logic here. Okay. Bucciarati says, I'm going to go check in the leaky Luca. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's like, wait, Fugo, what's that? What's that dude? He's like, oh, it's the florist. He, he needs to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So then Bucciarati talks to the florist and he does this whole deal. And then, um, you know, he's like, okay, Mista, go figure out this uh the sculptor deal but because mista's having like a panic attack about every rock butrati goes okay fine i'm gonna go with mista <laughs> fugo you go deal with leaky luca yeah i mean at least in the anime he uh he said that he heard a rumor about stand users gathering in like um certain places so he decided to go right. in it now if he had just kept that the way it was right Mm-hmm. then he it, he really would have been the only one to die because Fugo, not Bucciarati, would have gone to interrogate Giorno. That's true. And that would not have resulted in Giorno joining the team. It probably would have been like a fight and then Giorno would have been just like gone on his way and Fugo would be like, that guy's insane. You're like, stay away from him. Either that um, or someone would have died. Well, the stone didn't predict Fugo's death, so maybe Giorno's death, but... um. You know, Fugo was safe for the moment. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the whole deal is like Misa is trying to save Bucciarati so badly. And and uh, the, the sculptor guy even comments like, what kind of person are you, Bucciarati, that people are willing to jump out of windows for you? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and because Misa was willing to do that, Bucciarati said, Fugo, figure out what's wrong with Misa. I'll go back and talk to the Leaky and figure out Leaky and Luca. And that changed their path forever because that willingness to do that 
sent Bucciarati to meeting Giorno, which sent them onto the path where Narancia and Abakia were going to die. Yes. But if he hadn't done, if Bucciarati had never done that, or he had accepted the stone, then like Bucciarati still would have probably gotten the, the mission with Trish. And Bucciarati would have still tried to betray the boss right there, but he would have just died. He wouldn't have been revived and like all that. Yeah, that's true. He wouldn't have been revived. There would have been a, and then more than likely the rest of the team would have been killed too. No, I think they would have lived on because they wouldn't have known what happened, right? So they so they basically stay like near the boat as Bucciarati went in with Trish, see that neither of them came back out. Right, and then, you know, Diavolo eventually sends someone and goes like, hey, Bucciarati betrayed me, now he's dead. Like, what are you going to do? And they would have been like, uh, well, we'll do whatever you want us to do, boss. You know, and that would have been it. I guess I see it. I guess I see it. I don't know. I, I Maybe it's because I saw them as, like, really loyal to Bucciarati that I guess, like, the only person who maybe would have had a problem with that was, like, Fugo. Um, because, you know, the loyalty thing with him. Um, well, and... Uh... I mean, but the thing, though, is, like, they're really loyal to Bucciarati, but he would have already been dead. So, you know, yeah. there's nothing to do about it at that point. And every, when, when Bucciarati initially said, like, I've betrayed the boss, everyone was like, no, no way, I'm not doing this, you know? Yeah. So it took a little convincing and a little bit of time for them to kind of come around and be like, okay, well, it is you, Bucciarati. But if he would already been dead, I don't think anyone would have stood up against the boss. They just would have been reassigned and moved on. I yeah, think. yeah. I see what you mean. And so, <laughs> Popo still would have been alive. Yeah, being in bed, eating pizza. Eating bananas without fearing gunfire. Yeah. <laughs> Popo is living the life. So, let's talk about last things um, that, that didn't happen. First, mm. uh, no Purple Haze feedback. No Purple Haze feedback. I did not expect Purple Haze feedback to be animated. Uh, it, neither did I. At all. But I know when... Uh, Day Productions put out that they were going to make, like, two episodes. Uh, like, you know, at once, a lot of people right. were like, oh, it's Purple Haze feedback. And I thought to myself, like, they would have announced something like that. Yeah, that's true. And then it got worse because I guess they were interviewing Fugo's voice actor. And he's like, I can't wait for you to see his return. And was like, Purple Haze feedback. It was just like <laughs> five seconds he was uh, there in uh, Rolling Stones. Yeah, I'm like, guys, did you forget he's it was a flashback that he's in? <laughs> Do not forget no. that for padding, he put an entirely new story arc before the end. Yeah. I mean, that's how I well, felt like it was back when I no, read it. No, I think, I think it's like, and, and it is kind of confusing, but I think having consumed it in anime form, I get what Araki was trying to do. He was trying to, like, unify the theme, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's how he did it. It's kind of a peculiar way of doing it, but that's, I think that's because of the way my theory on how Iraqi writes, and that's a different podcast. There's a lot of different podcasts being mentioned today. I guess we have a lot of things to talk about still. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't really start to understand how the Rolling Stones played into the theme until, like, I, I saw it in anime form. Because it got me thinking, like, Destiny, this also really does play into Diavolo's stand and his ability, right? Because his mm -hmm. ability is just basically to make Destiny happen, right? His um, his ability is literally just skipping forward in time. So it's like, this is going to happen. I'm going to make it happen because it's supposed to. Yeah. And so the fact that they had like a tussle with like the idea of what's supposed to happen and like how things are supposed to be and like having broken that, even if mm -hmm. it did cost them, it really did mean something to the uh, greater story as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. 
I gotta say, I really did, um, I enjoyed that little animation of the hermit crab walking to stab Diavolo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, as soon as we got to the Diavolo death part, I was like, yes, 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 yes. I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this. Yeah. Finally, (laughs) it's just desserts. I I still think it's kind of harsh for him. I mean, Grant, eh, I mean, Jonah will die eventually, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, um, uh, maybe Gold Experience Requiem can revert it back to zero. Oh, oh, that's a scary thought. That Jorno could be immortal like his father. Jeez. Ugh. Uh. Um, okay, so last thing to talk about before we, we jump off of this subject. Uh, no Stone Ocean preview. Yes, yes, that concerned me. Did it? It didn't concern me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, let's look at the logic here. Like, it's only happened once, right? It was the end of part two to part three. Well, actually, no, the end of part one. The end uh, of part one had yeah. a teaser for part two? It did. Um, it was it was after, um, uh, you know, Arena escaped on the coffin and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cut to a scene in a jungle where they found Santana. Oh, right. But the thing is that, like... I think you would have known that part two was going to happen right after part one because there's only like 10 episodes in each part, right? Yeah. So you know that like animes are made in like 22, 23 episode chunks or I guess, you know, in the case of part five, like 39. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, part two is going to happen right away because it didn't just make 10 episodes. <laughs> um, so they tease part three at the end of part two, but mm-hmm. they don't tease part four at the end of part three or part five at the end of part four. I mean, part five was kind of teased in the opening of a crazy, uh, crazy, noisy, bizarre town. Um, yeah, it was. You hadn't noticed? No. What, what uh, is that? Okay. So when Josuke is walking down like the street and there's a bunch of like the signs referencing all the stand users, uh-huh. uh, there is one sign to his left and one sign to his right. The sign to the left says SC1989 and it's pointing left to try to be like Stars Crusaders. And there's a sign pointing right that says GW2001. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I never caught that. I'm going to rewatch that right as soon as we get off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that exists. So the fact that we didn't get anything that might have like gone into like Stone Ocean or something like that. It, and plus, like the introduction said, like Stone Ocean depends on how much support they get. So I, I'm just I'm hoping like my fingers are crossed. Well, so, you know, I, I don't know. I I wasn't expecting an announcement. Um, and then I found someone posted a, a a bunch of screenshots about a blog. I think it was a Tumblr blog that was tracking, like, is part five ever going to be announced? <laughs> and it was like literally 400 days before from part four until part five was like confirmed. <laughs> so we're just being impatient. Yeah, I think so. Because it was like. I mean, it was literally like, it's been a whole year and there's been no news about it. <laughs> and then it was like, part five is confirmed. And then, you know, it was like a pile of news after that. Like, oh, here's the release date. Here's, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, making anime is hard. It takes yeah. time. Um, and especially if you're going to try to do something frame for frame and take that same loving care that we've been talking about for the last hour. Like, you can't just rush that. Yeah, I'm definitely not trying to downplay the amazing work that people at David Productions do because they really do seem like they're fans of the manga and they really do seem like they care about how this stuff is shown and adapted. Um, 
I don't know. I guess maybe I was spoiled by the uh, uh, references to future parts in prior yeah, parts. Maybe. And but you, as as has been pointed out, I mean, it was actually already teased in part one. Yeah. Yeah, because Jolene was the first uh, person we saw in the opening for part one. Right. So it's like, well, if why would they bother putting that if they weren't going to do her? <laughs> yeah. You know, looking back at part one, when I first started watching it, I didn't know who the heck those people were before we got to Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I was like, I was like, are those going to be like supporting characters mm-hmm. throughout like part one or something like that? But it wasn't until I started, like, you know, getting a broader knowledge where I was like, oh, no, nope, I'm actually even more excited now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, having thought about things over time, you know, because JoJo's been around so long and I obviously have probably come across it at some point, you know, and then just chose not to consume it. There are, there are only two things that I have seen that have triggered memories like, oh, I think I've seen this. Um one is Josuke's pose at the very end of the anime where he's got like his, his briefcase over one thing and he's got his hip like thrusted out. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that, that one like triggered, like I must have, I remember seeing that. And the other one is, is Giorno's famous like shirt pole pose. I don't know why, but like that, like kind of mm. triggered like a memory when I saw it in the opening of the, of part one, I was like, I've seen that somewhere. <laughs> um, I gotta say, like, the only thing I'd ever seen that was JoJo before I saw JoJo was the uh, Kono Dioda meme Ugh. around, like, 2013. <laughs> what a horrible thing to have seen. I know. <laughs> but it was, like, the only JoJo meme around, like, that time because that was, like, you know, by that point, only, like, maybe part one and part two were out. I, I also think I had seen, like, a Caesar meme where, like, something had been crushed and, like, you know, it was Joseph screaming out, <laughs> Caesar! Uh, but I think, yeah, no, it's it's weird thinking like all the stuff that I've consumed that's been influenced by JoJo or like all the JoJo that I've missed throughout the years just because I yeah. didn't know what the heck it was. And now being so into it that I think to myself, like, I can never miss something like that. Like, hell, I yeah. make connections where they don't exist. Um, I love at the end when they have the tribute to all the fallen uh, members of the gang where they have... Um, <laughs> yeah, they have the uh, wine that um, Abakio is drinking. They have one of Bucciarati's zipper uh, handles. And they have the flowers that um, grew out of Narancia after his death. And seeing all those together, I was like, that wasn't in the manga, but I yeah. love it. Well, and Abak- one of them is Abakio's flowers, too. Yeah, one of them is Abakio's flower, too. <laughs> They're still there somehow. Somehow. It's <laughs> he just uses gold experience to keep like regenerating them. <laughs> That's true, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it literally controls life as keep him as long as he wants. Um I like that. They're just like hanging next to Polar yeah. like, hey, cool, trinkets. Um but I thought that was a very touching addition to to uh, rec- you know, remember his friends and his fallen and how he was able to get there. Yeah, that part got me and I was like they really did like do their homework and pay attention to like all the little details and it just like perfectly encapsulated like what they did um for the part and it really did like yeah. Yeah. give well it done. an amazing well finish for me okay everyone so um you know we we here at no dignity we we love and appreciate everything that uh david productions did so thank you guys i don't you're probably not listening to this but if you do Thank you so much for the work that you did. Uh, what do you guys think about it? You know, email us, tweet at us, send us a DM. Um, give us your thoughts. We'll share them on air. 
please do. Do you know what will never reset to zero? The meme of the week. <gasps> the meme of the week. Well, it just so happens that my meme of the week actually does reset to zero. Obviously, today is very meme-heavy, uh, mining the great content that was the, the season finale. Yes. But I've, I've chosen to pick something uh, sort of obtuse, <laughs> and it comes from uh, Shitpost Crusaders user uh, Porygon-P-E-E, um, and the title of the post is The Real Reason Why Giorno is Wearing Black. It is uh, a Poochie version of the Drake meme. So we got Poochie holding up his hand going like no on the top. And then the bottom is him close up and it says a bit closer to heaven. And the top panel says, Giorno is wearing black since he's now the boss. Mm -hmm. And the bottom says, Giorno is wearing black to attend Diavolo's funeral every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's dark i know but i loved it i was like jeez i could see jordan being like that that like i'm gonna just gonna rub this in the wound so hard that's dark but i love it <laughs> god so, that's terrible very good very good Porygon. <laughs> you, you got us there that's very that's, good that's that's great that's amazing um my meme of the week actually comes from it's caleb ia on instagram uh, oh like, yeah, also a JoJo YouTuber um, and genuine fan. Um, his uh, the video yeah. <laughs> the video is a scene from SpongeBob where Plankton uh, yells out "King of Crimson," and then uh, SpongeBob is like, "No, get away!" in his sleeve, and he pulls out a piano and he hits Plankton. Uh, but then a Gold Experience Requiem resets the video back to zero, and he keeps hitting him with the with the piano as "Muda Muda Muda Muda" uh, goes on. <laughs> I, don't know, I saw it and I I, 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 I was laughing. Like I was legitimately laughing at it. <laughs> Very good. So you, is that on his YouTube pa- uh, channel? It's on his Instagram. Yeah. So you can find that at ITS uh, K-A-L-E-B-I-A. Uh, it's Caleb I-A. All just one word. Um, I'd say check out some of his stuff. He's a really good uh, JoJo anal- analyzer and content creator. Yeah, his his videos are very informative and not boring either. He's got a good voice. He's got good pacing. Uh, we got to reach out to him. I I want him to be on the show. I'll make it happen. I'd, I'd geek out if I were to talk to him. Yeah, I am going to make it happen. You wait. <laughs> you wait. Might. You see. All right. Well, um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at the uh, No Dignity Podcast Gmail. Uh, you can also send us a message on Anchor. Uh, if you'd like to speak, if you'd like to uh, see our other social medias. Uh, you can find me on YouTube under a squid TV uh, on Instagram is a squid V and on Twitter as uh, a squid uh, TV. Um, I make little short videos, um, plenty of Jojo references for anyone <laughs> who cares to look. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just hope I can uh, keep on entertaining you all. Um, we also have a Reddit account now. It's you slash uh, No Dignity Podcast. I've been trying to throw my hat into the meme game over there. Uh, got one that went a little bit viral. I was kind of proud of. Uh, so you can go check out what we're up to. You can just you know search there um, in the Reddit search engine to find you slash No Dignity Podcast and see the memes that I've been putting up. Um, as for other things, guess what? Uh, if you go to... Uh, my other podcast, Silhouette Zero. So you can find that at sillzeropodcast.com. 
or uh, you can find it on my uh, Twitter for the show, Sil Zero Chris. Both of that is spelled S-I-L-Z-E-R-O. We actually did a special uh, episode with Alex here where we played um, Final Fantasy Flight uh, Genesis RPG system to play a JoJo-based game. Uh, we have made up our own stand users. It was fun. Uh, yeah, so we just did a little one shot. It's pretty cool if you if you like our stuff, if you like you know the skits and stuff. We it's kind of a chance to see our extended creativity. Uh, I had some pretty good stand users. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, definitely something that'll put a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and check that out. Um, and then um, you know that, that's pretty much it. I think for the day. But hey, um, before we go. Did you hear that while Koichi was still in Italy, that he didn't take one picture or bring back one souvenir for Yukako? Really? Did you hear that Chris didn't, make, didn't mention that you can message us on Anchor FM if you have any questions and are inquiries you'd like us to answer in the show? You already said that part. Did I? I guess I have no dignity. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs>